0: Hello, my name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to this podcast of Mercy Unbound. Today, I get to speak with Father Matthew Tomini, a newly ordained priest in the Order of the Marian's of the Immaculate Conception. We're going to talk with Father about the infinite value of the Mass, what's really going on at Mass, how central is the Eucharist to the Mass, and we're also going to talk about the Manitergium and the stole that he will give to his parents immediately after he is ordained a priest. It's a great show. Please subscribe and share with your friends. God bless. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Brian Thatcher, and welcome to Mercy Unbound. It's a show that aims to provide hope, an avenue for healing, and one that will hopefully help you understand and then live the great mercy of God. With me today, I have a special guest, Father Matthew Tomine. Uh, He's a Marian of the Immaculate Conception priest, recently ordained. And um, I thought it'd be neat to talk to a newly ordained priest about that experience, and uh, also want to talk about the Mass. Um, so many people, I think, don't really understand the Mass, the value of the Mass, what's going on at Mass, and um, we're going to talk about some of those things. But First of all, welcome to Mercy Unbound, Father. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. You are helping out at two parishes in Illinois, uh, St. Mary's in Plano and St. Patrick's in Yorkville. Um, I guess the first question I have for you, I read that the cloth a priest uses to wipe the blessed chrysum oil from his hands after being ordained is called the Maniturgium, and you give that to your mother, after the mass,
1: Can, did you, did you do that? Yeah. Uh, several of the Marians uh, has been doing that in the past. And so I continued that uh, custom there and uh, yeah, it's a very special moment. And, you know, with the mother offering up uh, her child in the service of the church uh, in that sense and uh, presenting the cloth, which was used to wipe the oil and, um, that was used to anoint my hands during the ordination, rite, And it's kind of said that when the mother passes away, she'll be buried with that cloth in her hands to present to St. Peter at the uh, gates of heaven.
0: Neat. Saying like my son participated in Christ's sacrifice of the mass. Yeah. That's neat. And then I also read that the stole from your first confession you give to your father because it, Felt that he was the one that first taught you God's mercy and justice. Were you able to do that as well?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, and I think uh, both my parents were very appreciative. Of both, uh, gifts it had have been
0: very touching, I would think. Yeah, that's, some other
1: people said it was touching it to watch even. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow, that's special. You know, when I think about the mass and the Eucharist as Eucharistic apostles, of course, our efforts have been all these years to spread the real presence and the gift of the Eucharist. And um, I just think people don't really understand. And uh, let's let's get into the mass first. What is the mass, really, and, and, and why offer masses?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, that's a great question. And I think, Warren, we as a, a church are uh, still trying to renew that understanding because it's not just a gathering of uh people or you know us catholics together it's basically um the sacrifice of christ on the cross being represented being renewed and uh one one uh thing i remember when i was just a novice father chris alar uh was a deacon at the time in seminary he uh he went into a teaching moment and asked me you know what's a one word description of the mass and i can't remember if i got it right or wrong but in the end the answer was sacrifice and then he asked what's a one word if you can only use one word to describe a priest what would that be and he said it would be mediator you know someone who mediates between god and man uh god and the human family and so that sacrifice, which the Mass is, represents uh, Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And that's all renewed in a real and present way on the altar at Mass. You know, when we
0: talk about receiving, we're like at the Last Supper and the representation. We're, we're not crucifying Christ every time a Mass goes on, are we?
1: No. So, yeah, there is... You know, like St. Paul says and Scripture says that Christ fulfilled um, any of the sacrifices that went on. You know, the Jews, even going back to the children of Adam and Eve, they would offer sacrifice as a, you know, acknowledgement of God, uh, creating them and giving them the gifts. So it's kind of an act of worship and, you know, thanksgiving. But none of those sacrifices ever could atone for the sins. and Christ's sacrifice, uh, he is God himself. And so his blood, his most precious blood, is that pure sacrifice which St. Paul says uh, fulfills and is the most perfect and complete sacrifice. So we're not uh, redoing that sacrifice or kind of re-offering Christ in that sense we're crucifying on the cross there. That's been done. But what we are doing is now in an unbloody manner, re-offering that sacrifice to apply the merits of christ's redemption to us now
0: behind me we have the image of divine mercy <clears throat> and jesus is dressed in the robe of a high priest mm-hmm. um, it's fascinating to me when you think of the mass that jesus was the original high priest at the last supper and yet he's also the
1: sacrifice that that's kind of amazing isn't it yeah uh, yeah that, and that's what's most unique about Christ's sacrifice is not only is he the priest, he's the victim being sacrificed. And it's something for priests to also, you know, remember. Fulton Sheen uh, would remind new priests especially that, you know, you're not not just a priest offering up the sacrifice, but you have to unite yourself uh, in your whole life like Christ as being like a a victim uh, to be offered up. But uh, as far as, you know, for the mass, Christ, you know, Instituted at the Last Supper, not only the sacrament of the Eucharist and instituted the Mass, but He instituted the priesthood, and through His apostles and their successors, He continues to act in their person uh, down through the ages. Uh, so the priest at Mass is acting in persona Christi Capitis, uh, in the head of Christ, and you know, he's really, you know, when he says this is my body, he's not uh, play acting. or Whatever he's really, you know, saying in the person of Christ, these these words, making it real and present to us uh, what happened two thousand years ago.
0: You know, I have some good um, Christian friends. Um, in some ways, you know, much better Christians than I'll probably ever be. But he had told me recently he had changed churches because the music was better at new service. And I thought, you know, Catholics, I hear that from Catholics as well. You know, the priest homily may be too long. The uh, music is terrible. The organist misses the keys. And um, that's really not what it's about. I mean, isn't it about the Eucharist? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. We're there to uh, worship God. And that happens at the mass, you know, through the person of Christ, you know, acting in that priest, no matter uh, whether it's a good priest or bad priest, you know, that's what we're there for to worship God um, who, you know, he's present, you know, where two or three are gathered. Jesus does say he's present um, just like, you know, he's present in the word in scripture, but it's only in the Eucharist that he's present to us now uh, in his flesh. And, he, you know, he gives this fantastic gift to us, um, you know, to feed us, especially, you know, when we pray the Our Father, we say, give us this day, our daily bread. It's not just the temporal kind of daily bread, but we're asking for that supernatural, that super substantial bread, which will nourish our souls.
0: You know, um We get Catholics get accused of all kinds of things. One is, you know, meat eaters, carnal, you know, human flesh eaters, if it's true. And um, how could you believe God would do something like that? But they, in John 6, they didn't understand it back then when he said it either, did they? Did he? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, You know, that's one of the long passages in the Gospel of John. So John is spending a lot of time talking about Christ's teaching there. And it ends with, many of Christ's disciples you know they it says they all leave and Jesus is just left with his uh, twelve apostles there and Jesus asked them, will you two leave uh, because even the apostles were still kind of dumbfounded by this teaching that wait what we have to eat your flesh unless you eat my and he's saying unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you will not have eternal life like that's just you know imagine hearing that the first time uh, it is bizarre and you know it's There's a lot of mysteries to the faith, but the more we receive that uh, and enter into that mystery, we're open to it, Uh, we can understand it. But at that time, those disciples left. And uh, today, we still see that, you know, disciples leaving because of this hard teaching.
0: You know, St. Faustina, of course, had the um, blessing of seeing the Lord and had many visions and the rays were seen emanating from the monstrance on several occasions and mm. but she added to her name Maria Faustina of the Most Blessed Sacrament and uh,
1: mm.
0: I remember Father Seraphim telling me years ago that uh, when she would walk outside the chapel in uh, outside Krakow that she would or any of her places she was stationed she would genuflect knowing that Jesus Christ himself was inside
1: the church and uh, yeah it's kind of amazing, yeah, and I, I remember too whenever she would be transferred to another convent, uh, in her order, the first person she would greet, uh, was always Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. You know, he, she would say, He's the master of this house. Now, we talk about the uh, value of the mass,
0: um, there's intrinsic and extrinsic, extrinsic, infinite, uh, versus finite, but. Let's just ask this. Does a person still receive Jesus in the Eucharist, say the priest is unholy? Uh, does that limit the graces uh, that the
1: parishioners get when they go to mass? Oh, no, yeah. So when the priest is offering uh, the mass, he's first offering it as you know, a public servant of the church that minister of Christ uh, in persona Christi. So you know, just by the fact that he's ordained, he is offering uh, the mass, and as long as he says the words of consecration, you know, it's it's valid. Uh, that consecration really happens, and so whether or not he's a very sinful priest uh, or a very holy priest, that consecration is valid, so the people would receive uh, the the true blessed sacrament there.
0: Now you know when when you. I mean, we all do this. We're in different states of mind at mass. Uh, Some days, you know, may have anxieties with my children on my mind running through my head during mass, but we receive also in different kind of states of grace, I guess. And Mm -hmm. um, that can affect what we get out of the mass, doesn't it? You know, if we're off daydreaming, we're not going to get as much out of it if we don't participate, I would guess. certainly.
1: Yeah. You know, because... You, know, you, you kind of mentioned how, so the mass is infinite, you know, the, the graces coming from the mass are completely infinite because it's God, uh, son of God being offered up to God. And while that's infinite. What we can receive as finite creatures uh, is limited, you know, we're limited by just being human and. Along with being human comes all those kind of things, whether it's our sinfulness or our distraction or lack of devotion, holiness. And so the more we can grow, though, in holiness and uh, union with our Lord and pure intention or fervor and virtues, just even doing anything with affection for the Lord, just growing in love, really, uh, the more we can receive from the Mass uh, those graces.
0: You know, in that setting then of if we go to Mass just as a, a weekly obligation and we're not really into it, I tell my kids, you know, you, you get out of it what you put into it. And, you know, you wouldn't go to a hockey game and, yeah. sit there and mind's wandering and everything right. else. And so isn't that why sometimes if we can't go to Mass during the week and we really want to receive or pay perhaps people who've had uh, are waiting on an annulment and things and they can't receive, isn't that why a spiritual communion? Uh, could you talk about that? What that is, and
1: yeah, so the graces that come from receiving the Eucharist in Holy Communion um, is obviously preferred, and is you know the most real way of receiving those graces. But you know, God can work outside the sacraments which He instituted, and so when you have that spiritual desire. Um, and you can't receive sacramentally, you know, praying in your heart, like, Lord, I wish to receive you. You know, don't let me be separated from you. He uh, can still enter your into your heart uh, and you his know, spiritual communion in that sense. And I don't want to minimize the value of
0: music and art. All those things can add to the, I guess, the extrinsic value as well. Uh, don't you? Isn't that accurate? Yeah. Uh, sacred objects and
1: yeah so those could all add make the mass more meritorious and help the effects of the mass those fruits of the mass uh be received um but uh i mean most importantly is that interior devotion you know our disposition is offers uh at mass and you kind of mentioned how you know your kids uh trying to get help them get into it one thing I remember that helped my sister was when the priest pointed out, don't go to Mass uh, expecting to receive, you know, having this kind of, I need something attitude or receiving attitude. You got to go with uh, a giving attitude um, because it's just, you know, God created us and everything good in our lives comes from him. And so it's just really, it's a matter of justice that we, we, we go uh, and pay our respects to him. you know, we, we adore him um, and, you know, give thanks to him. And so with that, though, we can, you know, in that attitude of giving, it's kind of like all paradoxes of Christianity. It's fully submitting to that giving that we actually start receiving. Uh, More and more. And yeah. No, I was just going to say, when I think of, uh, you
0: know, every once in a while here in the Tampa area, they'll have a country western singer come in, you know, and they'll get 20,000 people to the concert and sold out in a few hours and stuff. And if people really understood the value of the mass and Jesus Christ was going to be there, you know, it's like, uh, hey, Jesus Christ is going to be at, nativity church tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., you know, the churches would be overflowing, I would hope. And uh, we just don't understand what's going
1: on in the mass. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of uh, St. Faustina in her diary. I think it's in 914. I think uh, it's worth taking a a read right here. She writes... Oh, what awesome mysteries take place during Mass. A great mystery is accomplished in the Holy Mass. With what great devotion should we listen to and take part in this death of Jesus? One day we will know what God is doing for us in each Mass and what sort of gift he's preparing in it for us. Only his divine love could permit that such a gift be provided for us. Oh, oh Jesus, my Jesus, with what great pain is my soul pierced? when I see this fountain of life gushing forth with such sweetness and power for each soul, while at the same time, I see souls withering away and drying up through their own faults. May Jesus grant that the power of mercy embrace these souls. And, you know, she, you know, on that first line there, just, oh, what awesome mysteries take place. We don't even know, um, just because in our human limitedness, you know, we don't see it, but really heaven is coming to earth, you know, especially in that sanctuary. And some of the mystics talk about just the hosts of angels just surrounding uh, the the sanctuary and just the incredible uh, acts going on, you know, when the priest is raising uh, the host, really seeing Jesus. St. Bostina would see that often for her throughout her lifetime. Um, Or even just, like, the priest raising the chalice, you know, some, some mystics will see the blood coming from the crucifix into the chalice so there's you know incredible things going on but really comes down to that calvary is being represented uh right there um in the church when mass is taking place and so you know it's not just uh no value uh or mysteries kind of you know, being missed on it's you know it's as that opportunity to be there with John and, and Mary at the foot of the cross and offer ourselves to God. Um,
0: I remember Faustina wrote in her diary that if the angels were capable of envy, they would envy us for two things, the reception of holy communion and suffering. One of my uh, favorite quotes in the diary years ago, Father Seraphim explained it to me. And if you could look up entry 644, because in that passage, she explained how in a vision, Holy Thursday and Good Friday are really two parts of a single act. Most of Mm -hmm. us think that, um, you know, when we say Jesus died for us or gave us his, his body, we think of Good Friday, but she says the essence is actually in the upper room on Holy Thursday. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah. Um, it's, there's three paragraphs of 644. Do you remember? Well, it's, uh, she starts out, it it happened during an hour of adoration, I believe. Okay. Or 684, maybe it is. Uh,
1: yeah, I apologize. I didn't have that. Uh... Yeah, here it is Holy Hour Thursday, 684. During this hour of prayer, Jesus allowed me to enter the cenacle, and I was a witness to what happened there. However, I was most deeply moved when, before the consecration, Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and entered into a mysterious conversation with his Father. It is only in eternity that we shall really understand that moment. His eyes were like two flames. His face was radiant, white as snow. His whole personage, full of majesty. His soul full of longing. At the moment of consecration, love rested satiated. The sacrifice fully consummated. Now only the external ceremony of death will be carried out. External destruction. The essence of it is in the cenacle. Never in my whole life had I understand this mystery so profoundly as during that hour of adoration. Oh how I ardently desire that the whole world would come to know this unfathomable mystery!
0: Incredible passage, really, when you think about it. <clears throat> yeah, Father, how can we, as uh, when I say we, uh, lay people, uh, receive more fruits and graces from the Mass? What would
1: you suggest? Well, first off, would be to uh, prepare you know spend time preparing for mass uh some uh daily missiles or uh, prayer books have some prayers uh that i think uh can you know be quite helpful especially when you're first starting out or even uh you know even the church has put in the missile for priests to have prayers for preparation that they've indulged um one by saint thomas aquinas is a common favorite and Especially though with you know placing your mind and heart at uh in the presence of the Lord and to hold on to that kind of meditative uh you know uh place that you're in during the mass, you know, remembering that uh you know we're not just here uh, with random people, but we're here as the body of Christ with Mary and John at Calvary, and to really offer up um, yourself to the Lord. That's how uh, you know we really attend Mass. You know, St. Augustine. I remember when I was first reading the diary, I always noted how she would say, uh, "I didn't get a chance to assist that Mass today," or she would say, "I got to assist that Mass today." And I remember thinking at first, like, what does she mean by that? Like, she wasn't altar serving, or because right. uh, that's the way we kind of talk about it today, but. Um, you know, and in those days, I really mean for uh, down through the ages, and I think this is something recently we just kind of lost, is we don't just attend Mass, we're assisting at Mass. And we do that because we're offering ourselves and everything we have with that to the Lord when we unite it to the priests and that sacrifice of the altar, you know, which is really the sacrifice of, of Christ on the cross. And, you know, and that's what is so great about that offering is christ offering you and everything else uh that you bring to the altar up to uh god in heaven and so you know bring even you know your petitions uh, whatever else is on your heart that you want to pray for um uh, you know as long as it's a good intention it can be uh prayed for during mass and then lastly it's important to make a time of thanksgiving after mass. This is something that's often neglected today too, um, to, you know, thank the Lord for being able to assist at mass. And especially if you received communion, because communion is kind of like the, the, you know, for the priest, it's that consummation. When Christ says it is consummated on the cross and he gives up his last breath, that's what happens when the priest uh, consumes the host. And so when we receive communion, too, that's the most intimate time we have with our, you know, our personal relationship with the Lord is in holy communion. And so it's important to make sure uh, we spend time with the Lord, actually, in conversation with him uh, and not just, you know, asking him and bugging him for other things as much as, he'd let, you know, he delights hearing anything we have to ask for. But really spend time with him as, you know, an intimate friend uh, and, you know, as our beloved, you know, he has a church, there is a uh, beloved bride. And so, you know, when to prepare to even receive communion, we need to, you know, really look at that communion as that time when the two become one flesh, uh, just like a married couple, uh, you know, our flesh being united to Christ's flesh. Uh, in the heart and so even looking forward to it you know imagine like the uh the bride and groom the night before the wedding they're looking forward to that eve and so part of that preparation for holy communion too is even the night before looking forward to receiving and uh i remember yeah dr castagnon a scientist who converted because of uh, studying eucharistic miracles uh he talked about how important it is to not have trivial uh communions to really prepare you know spend time looking forward to the night before and you know when afterwards uh because it it's often you know remembered all right we gotta make sure we're in the state of grace well even that can be forgotten but we gotta be in the state of grace to receive communion and to fast it Uh, and right now That's one hour fast, but before 1955, all the way back, uh, it was fasting from food and water from midnight. Uh, So, and part of that was to help have that spiritual hunger with that physical hunger. But uh, more than just, you know, being the state of grace and with the fasting is having that interior devotion, uh, you know, having that love. Uh, for the Lord and actually wanted to receive him. Um, I remember one thing from the diary was St. Faustina was told by our Lord uh, how much it pains him when religious souls, you know, people who are in the religious life receive, you know, the Eucharist, the sacrament of love, just merely out of habit. And he said, you know, I go to such souls with great reluctance. Uh, You know, it would be better if they did not receive him. And so to receive Communion just out of lukewarmness, or I have it because it, you know, or just because eh, it looks like that's what everyone's doing now. Uh, the Lord would rather not. Um, and so that's why it's important to make sure, you know, it's good uh, and very powerful, very fruitful to receive the communion. But we just got to remember to have that devotion of love.
0: Well, Father, I hope this discussion <clears throat> has opened the eyes of people to understand the. Amazing mysteries going on during the Mass, the Eucharist, and uh, just the joy we should have in our hearts of receiving communion. I'm reminded of the saying the priest used to say, You know, don't have the attitude I have to go to Mass, it's I want to go to Mass. And uh, that would be my hope for all those viewing or listening to this podcast. Um, father, I just want to close with one thought because it really did touch me, and we mentioned it at the beginning of the show about your mother getting the um, manitourium, the cloth, and your father getting the stole. And tradition has it that, of course, they'll be buried with that. And when they mm-hmm. meet Saint Peter at the gate, uh, they can say, "My son too shared in your priesthood." And uh, what a what an incredible thought when I mean, you think of that spiritually. But um, I just want to thank you for joining us today on Mercy Unbound. I wish you all the best up there in the parishes and uh, give my best to the other Marian Priest. And and, uh, would you mind giving all the people that will listen to this or watch this show today, give them your blessing?
1: Of course. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Through the merciful love of Jesus, may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen.
0: Thank you again, Father. People, please subscribe and share uh, these shows with your contacts, and, and God bless all of you. And, Father, we hope to see you back soon on Mercy Unbound.
1: Thank you. God bless.
0: Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video portion. The podcast can be heard at anchor.fm slash drbrian B-R-Y-A-N, Thatcher, T-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, and on all the major podcast forums. I would love to speak at your church or conference, and please consider supporting our efforts to spread the truth to a hurting world. Thank you again. And for more information, go to the website at drbryanthatcher.com.